I don't know about you, when I'm looking for a plumber, I like to read my reviews. HomeAdvisor.com gave me some reviews on our sponsor, Art of Plumbing. Called them. They arrived on time. Immediately found the plumbing issue and fixed it right the first time. I called them last year and it was great. I called them again this year because I had a problem again. They came out, they fixed the problem. They even gave me solutions to help stop the problem in the future at 541-9405. Hey, come take a walk with me. Not like you used to do. Do something different and put yourself in other people's shoes. Open up your mind and open up your eyes and change your direction. Change your perspective. Welcome in to Other People's Shoes. As you know, I am your host, Neil Matthews. I hope you're ready because we flew first class for you today. We took this amazing trip. I don't even know how long we've been on the plane, but it feels like forever. But going from Oregon all the way out to New Zealand today, I love the fact that we get to go international. That's always fun. We've been to Great Britain. We've been to Canada. But now we can say we've been down under, as they would maybe say, mates. So welcome in my next guest today. He is a dyslexic influencer. Now, some of you might even be thinking, did I say that wrong? Like the word dyslexic, like when you hear that, what comes to your mind? I'm going to let you kind of take that in for a second. Okay. You had your second. Now, here we go. Help me welcome in my guest. As I said, he is an influencer. He's a coach. He has a podcast, which by the way, has amazing success. We're going to get to that momentarily but he is helping thousands of adults every day come to understand what it's like to have dyslexia, what it means, and helping them out in their work, in their life, in their, in, in their passions, really, and helping them understand how the brain works with all that and having success. That's something we all want, right? Success on some level. I know you do, whether you want to admit it or not, you really do. He has founded this movement that we're excited to talk about today. It's called rightsiders.org if you want to know more about that. But help me welcome in my guest, Stephen. Stephen, how are you today? I'm, I'm awesome, Neil. Thank you for having me. And um, yeah, thank you for flying down under. It's, it's quite, a, quite a trip in these crazy times. So uh, appreciate you visiting. <laughs> well, I always like to say, you know, I'm a, I'm a kid of Mr. Rogers. So we have to go there in our imagination, right? We have this magic airplane that takes it. I, I think of it as like this Lear jet, like it has everything you could ever imagine on this airplane. So I like to visually think like I'm in this place with you. And the idea, of course, right, we're trying to get in your shoes today. So it's how can we get in your shoes remotely? We can't. We have to be face-to-face with you. And so that's kind of kind of where we're coming from on that. Yeah, I love it, mate. And I think, I think that's, you know, it's a great starting point around dyslexia. You know, you've kind of stepped into it. You know, dyslexia is visual thinking. You know, that is the difference, you know, visual processing. And, you know, you flying there in your mind, you know, you're speaking my language, you know, metaphors, stories, you know, dreams, imagination. It's, you know, it's, it's, our, it's our place to play, isn't it? It really is. And so with that, so help us with this. Uh, I know right now at the time of our recording, it's the morning where you are. If I did my math right, we're 12 hours ahead of you. If I, if I'm remembering right, cause we're in Oregon, you're, you, yeah, where are you in, in New Zealand, uh, in New Zealand? Where are you exactly? I'm up in Auckland. So I'm up in the biggest city. So we, um, we live in the future. So I can tell you the future is, is nice. It's looking good. Um, you know, it's yeah, so Wednesday, I think it must be Wednesday here. Is it Tuesday there? It so is. It, yeah, it is technically uh, still Tuesday here. Yes, that is correct. So technically you are in the future. So in the future then, um, is COVID done and has the university of North Carolina won uh, a basketball championship in college? I need those <laughs> questions answered before we go too far. I used to, I used to love basketball as a kid and, um, Sadly, no. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's actually weird over here at the moment. We've literally gone back down into the lockdown overnight. So it's actually, um, we'd, we'd kind of got free from it for 100 days. And overnight, it's kind of uh, changed again. So it's, it's crazy times, isn't it? It's crazy. It's, it's great to have an imagination that you can live in sometimes because you don't have to worry as much about the outside world <laughs> and vice versa. That is for sure. Uh, so uh, help us with this uh, starting off question. Uh, what size shoes do you wear? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, so I'm a size 11, but what I would say is one of my feet is slightly a different size. You know, so it's, have you ever had those experiences where you, where you have to go and get shoes and one shoe fits perfectly, but the other shoe is always just slightly off? 
<laughs> it's, that's my story. I have. And is there now, is that a U.S. size 11 or do, I mean, how does that work uh, down there? That's a great question. I think it it could be US eleven. It's it's pretty large. Whatever. Um, I'm trying to think. Really, I don't I don't pay much attention to that detail. Funny enough. <laughs> so it's yeah. It's probably it's a good size shoe. Let's. All just right. Say that. So if that were, I mean, I wear a US eleven, so that works too. So we're good there. And is there a style or brand that you prefer over another? Ah, uh, to be honest, I'm I've always been uh, quite fluid. I'm I'm kind of a New Balance kind of guy. I enjoy the. Uh, enjoy my running shoes um and I, I down here i wear a lot of jand do you call them jandals or flip-flops or uh you know just slip on kind of shoes like i'm pretty i'm pretty laid back man pretty laid back i've never heard it called a jamble but uh i if you haven't heard any past shows i have a thing against flip-flops i don't know why i just i just do and so really i have a foot issue it's you know which is weird because I have a shoe obsession but I have this foot issue so so there we are so so here's our little fun sound effect to uh, transition us into your shoes. And now we're officially in your shoes. See how that works? Uh, it seems longer uh, when I hear it every time, but it's about fifteen seconds, guys. Don't don't panic. So. Uh, so Stephen, help us with this basic question, right? When, when I thought of dyslexia, like it, it actually is not a very, it, it's one of those words that I absolutely hate, to be honest with you. Like there's a list of words out there, not only in the English language, but probably in languages everywhere that I think people have words that they just detest. Mm. Dyslexia yeah, for me is one of those words. So for you, what is dyslexia? Help, help us break that down. Yeah, you're 100 percent right. You know, people always joke. You know, for for a challenge where you can't spell very well, why would you have created a word like dyslexia? You know, people people joke about it. It's true, isn't it? Like, um, and I think for me, when I first started out, I was like everyone else. Um, it was a challenge with reading and writing. You know, I think that is what everyone's picture is, or it's a disability. And as I've gotten older and as I've done my research, as I've spoken to hundreds of dyslexics around the world to see the common traits, what I've, what I've been learning and what I've been really talking about is it's more the way your brain processes information. You know, if you think back now to when you were a little baby and you couldn't speak any language, you had to use visual and sensory information to know who your mother was in the world. You know, you know when they said mum, you had no idea who that was. Uh, you, you just had to know from her smell, from her look, from, from, from that side. And what happens at that age is dyslexics continue on to prioritize the visual side of their brain versus the symbolic side, which is where language and text is, is going. So when we're, when we're always staying on that visual side of the brain, you can imagine the challenges when we're in a left brain world that's all about writing, reading, academia. You know, it's caused so many challenges because it's not really set up for us and how we work. And the way I kind of say it is, I don't believe dyslexia is a disability in itself. I see it more as, a dyslexic is someone with a Mac for a brain, Apple Mac. And a left brain thinker or neurotypical person is someone who's got a PC for a brain. You know, they both work, but they're, they're a little bit different. And if you've been taught how to use a PC all your life, but you've got a Mac in your head, you're going you're to you're struggle a bit. You know, the short keys aren't quite the same. And the way you, uh, you operate it could always be a bit clunky because you haven't been taught how to operate it. You know, does that kind of make sense? hundred percent because I'm such an Apple guy. I'm like the minute you start talking and going down that road, I'm like, man, he's speaking my language because I was a PC guy for the longest time. And then when I started podcasting, you know, everything they say, you know, Apple is the way to go to edit and yada, yada, yada. So I, you know, I bought a MacBook. I've had an iPhone for years. You know, I love the fact that by the way, I can have the uh, iPhone read to me that uh, I use that feature probably more than any other feature. But to me, I, I've never heard anyone articulate it that way. And, and that was that was a big takeaway for me. So that was, that was really awesome. I love that. So going into this, we've been on, we started this series that, that you get to be a part of, which, uh, and I think you're pretty excited about uh, from our interaction and emails. But, but tell us what happened when, uh, on March 14th, uh, 2018, why is that date so significant to you? 
Well, that, that date to me is so powerful in my journey. Cause I think this is the thing, like life is, life is a bunch of chapters and you go through different chapters in your life and, you know, um, probably to give it some context. I, I found out I was dyslexic when I was 10 years old. I was very lucky to be in a private school and a teacher could see I had a high IQ, but I wasn't able to get the information out of my head in a way that the uh, the system or the man could uh, could operate with it. And when I got tested, um, I always remember my mother saying to me, um, the first thing you said is, at least I know I'm not stupid. You know, that was a massive moment. And from that point on, you know, fast forwarding the story a bit, I, um, I'd always thought it was just reading and writing. I'd always thought it was that. And I always thought I was probably smart enough, street smart enough to actually be able to solve those problems with technology or kind of winging it through life to kind of survive it. And then when I, um, on that date, that was the date I sat down with um, a dyslexia specialist a few years back now. And she opened my eyes to what it really meant to understand how our brains um, operate visually, how they actually work. And it felt like I'd been lied to all my life or I hadn't understood myself. I'd always been searching for something that I could never find. I'd done all this motivational stuff. And I was sitting there at the, um, at the table and the moment it came to me was, um, we were sitting across the table and she goes, where have you gone on this date? And what she was referring to is there was a builder doing some work on her deck. Hopefully that makes sense. D-E-C-K. My, my accent's always fun with that one. Um, but she's, uh, she was, this, this builder was hammering away. And she goes, where did you go? And I said, oh, in my head, I could picture the builder doing the work, putting in a nail. I could picture it. And she goes, okay, so you could see the builder and you could see him working in your head. And I went, yeah, I can picture that. I'm very visual thinking like I was some amazing, amazing person at that point. Um, and she goes, wow, that's amazing. She goes, and how, how, when did you meet my builder? And I said, oh, I've never met him. And she goes, when, when have you been in the work site where he's working? And I said, oh, I've never been there. And she goes, but you can picture it. So you must know it. And I was like, oh, I guess I've just created the picture. And she goes, how do you not know that 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 area is not filled with yellow rubber ducks. How do you know that that is not what he's working on? How do you, you know, and I went, I guess I don't. And at that moment, she shared with me something that, you know, really changed my life is the realization that our brains are so powerful visually and emotively. We can put emotion with the visuals that we create in our head, but a lot of the time, those visuals are not real. They're created. And at that moment, you know, I had this, you know, this chill that went down my spine and I thought back, how often have I done that in my life? How often has that built my character? How often has that directed me from things I've created that aren't true? And that, that to me, that broke my realization of how important this work was and how disgusted I was that so many people didn't understand it or were not aware of it. And we're living lives that we're just filled with anxiety and stress, you know, and, and not understanding that their brain just works differently. Does that kind of, does that sink in? You know, I, I think it does sink in for me. Um, so full disclosure for those who have listened for uh, almost a, a year now of us doing podcasting, this is a little bit of a selfish podcast on my part because I was sharing with Stephen uh, before we started recording I have dealt with dyslexia since I was about, um, I think I was about eight or nine years old and I'm 40 now. And I started to realize more and more that I was so alone and isolated. I almost figure like the ugly duckling, we all know that story pretty well, right? You know, growing up with all the ducks around him and he's the odd one out. And, you know, as he gets older, he realizes he's this wonderful swan, right? We know that story. It's a great story. It's a, it's a warm, warm, welcoming story in some respects. But I have walked through life feeling so isolated and alone. And when I came across Stephen and, and not only his podcast, but the work that he's doing, I was immediately like, man, I got to know more about this guy and, and the work that he's doing. So so I, I, I ask you, Stephen, because for me, I have moments in my life that involve dyslexia that have been really hard, really hard, like almost bringing me to tears to even talk about it hard. 
But do you have any parts of your story that that maybe bring some emotion or have somehow brought you pain in any way? Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, I always look back and I was so lucky at the age of 10 to found that out because, and, and also to have a family that framed it in the right way, you know, and um, like that was really important. I think, you know, you know, that, that moment in March that I, I spoke about, you know, it was the most beautiful and painful moment, you know, to think that part of your life, you've not known who you really are, you know, and to find that moment where you find that, but then, you know, the, the power of the dyslexic brain, I think, and the challenge of it is it runs off in rabbit holes, you know, and, and because the visual mind, the dyslexic mind is, is over six times faster than the neurotypical mind. We're naturally quicker thinkers. We're the witty ones, the smart ones. Our brains can run off and create different storylines. So it does the same backwards. It looks through your life. It visualizes through your life of all the things that have been affected by this. The times where, you know, I've had those dyslexic days where I just want to curl up in bed and watch Netflix and uh, turn the world off. And the, the days where I, um, the days where the amount of businesses I've started and, and managed to get to 80 or 90% and then I've gotten bored and run off in a different direction. And, and starting to understand why I did that or why it was happening and to kind of unpack that you know, it's kind of like in a massive amount of emotion that goes through your body. And like, it's, we're naturally very emotive people, but we're not always great at working out where that emotion is connected to because our brain is running faster than our emotional body. You know, I, we can't always say, Oh, was it that thought that caused that emotion? So it's kind of this weird flux that kind of created. And like, if I'm honest, that was the most beautiful and painful moment in my life, realizing, you know, realizing what I didn't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. What what led you to go to that table with her and have that conversation? What what kind of the was the precursor to that? So that's a great question. Now, and, and it was my it was actually my dad. I was sitting around. We were having having a beer, and um, and he said to me, "Guys, you've been looking for something for so long. I've done studies on NLP, on motivation, on all these cool things. We're we're natural growers and learners." And, um, but I'd never really found what I was looking for. It was always kind of um, a panadol rather than a cure to what I'd been searching for. And he said to me, he goes, he goes, your mother has had always told you, you know, she'd always been supportive, but supportive to a point where it kind of made me not even think dyslexia was a challenge. I just kind of carried on with life. It was just the way I worked. And he said, what if dyslexia was the key that you'd been looking for? And so naturally, as a man, and uh, thinking I know best, as we do a lot of the time of our lives, um, I kind of dismissed him. But he kept bringing it up time and time again until he found a woman who specialized in it. Um, she was part of the Davis Dyslexia Foundation, which is a really big thing, actually based in the States. Um, and she, um, he, I, said, I said, Dad, I'm going to contact her. Just for you, I'll do it. I'll make you happy with, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll do it for you. So I finally contacted her and, um, and I had a quick conversation and then I ignored her for at least five or six emails. I kept going, oh yeah, we'll do a meeting another day, another day, another day. I, this isn't what it is. I, reading and writing, I don't know how to do a spell check. It can't be that. I'm, um, I've got a business. I'm, I'm relatively successful in parts of my life. And then finally, finally, she knew how my brain works. So she knew that she had to follow me up. 28 times to get me in the room and she knew that was actually okay because when you understand how people's minds work and finally finally I went to that meeting and that and I was I was so happy my dad and her they never gave up on me which was so beautiful uh do you mind sharing that lady's name yeah her name is Vanessa Victor she's one of the partners okay. in right side so All right. nice we've built it together she's absolutely amazing yeah. and she uh, okay you know, it was a game changer yeah I I think about that because, you know, I had that teacher, well, at least my story, you know, I had that teacher in fourth grade that, that recognized something that had been going on. I asked my mom actually years later, I was like, what did she see? What did she notice? And she said she was the first one that really kind of detected it. Cause I guess she had seen it before in kids. And, you know, again, this is, you know, this is not like 2000 and something like your story, right? This is back in the, you know, early, early, uh, early nineties, uh, late, late eighties. And so, um, Again, I, I just think that's great when we can 
understand, you know, how that works and that process and, and all of that. And, and what a freeing day that must have been for you that it opened so many locked doors, you know, in a sense. And, and as you're talking about that, we just came out of this series that we, we spent on, uh, you know, the search series and, and we were kind of centered it around that U2 song, right? I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And so as you're saying that, I'm thinking like Bono in my ear right now, not your voice. Sorry. I kind of went to Bono for a moment. That's, so I ho- hope you're okay with that. He'd sing better than me, Neil. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. I agree. All right. Just, just so you know where my mind was going. I was listening. I promise I was listening. Um, why do you think it's so hard for people to really understand dyslexia and, and truly, truly get it? Because some people think, well, you just got to learn to read and write better. You just got to learn to spell better. You got to, you know, spend more time on hooked on phonics, whatever it may be. I always joked that, you know, I stayed, I was homesick on hooked on phonics day. So, I mean, is that really what the key is or is there more to that? No, it's a, it's a great question. I, I think, um, I think awareness is the biggest piece of it. People don't really know what it is. They, they know what they're told it is and they form an opinion very early on. And I think, um, you know, what we're seeing is the amount of people that weren't diagnosed um, because it's, you know, dyslexia is not an old thing. It's, it's, it's only been around even in broad scopes that the kind of forming of it in the last hundred years. And that's, that's probably giving it a bit too much credit for the length. Um, but it's, it's amazing that, you know, people just don't get the purpose behind it or why it happens. They kind of go, okay, the effect or the leaf on the tree is reading and writing challenges but what's the root of it? What's the root? What's the real reason? And that's the thing that's not spoken about um, because, you know, you can kind of try and solve the leaves, but if you never get to the root or the understanding of the why or the purpose behind it, you can never truly, um, truly solve it. You're kind of just putting a plaster on something that comes off and you put another plaster on, you know, you never actually heal the problem below it. And no one, I think, you know, there's a real feeling by myself is you can't get a pill for dyslexia. And I think, you know, there's not been as much research in it because no one, no pharmaceutical company can develop a pill for it. So they can't make money out of it. So it's probably not been researched or looked into as much as it could have been. Um, Does that kind of make sense? You know, it does. And and I'm going, I'm going with your tree analogy, which was great. Again, never even thought about that from a, from a standpoint, looking at it from the leaf, but we, we got to get to the root issue, right? So in your opinion, what is the root issue? The root issue for me is that we've all been taught incorrectly for our brains. You know, the, the true belief is exactly what I was saying at the beginning is, you know, we've all been taught how to run a PC. You know, we're, we're not stupid. Like there's, um, you know, if you can work out how to use your mind and it does work around visualization, it works around, you know, if you're a visual thinker, how do you, how do you put, you know, the coaching I do is all around how do you start using your visual mind rather than getting stuck? And, and you know, if you're not taught how to use your brain and you know, you've probably heard the old adage. If you expect if and I'll get this, I'll mix this up. This will be my dyslexia is if you judge a fish on how high it can climb a tree, you know, it's always going to fail kind of thing. And like, that's, you know, that's completely mixed up. But you get the point. It's kind of the, the, the challenge with it is we kind of believe that we're, we're kind of judging ourselves on left brain metrics of success where we're not left brain. So why are we judging ourselves against a rule or a measuring stick that doesn't, doesn't work for us? Like the right brain thinkers, you look at, you look at the um, dyslexics like Steve Jobs, you know, look at all those guys, John Lennon from the Beatles. They were all creatives. They were remarkably amazing human beings, but they went down different paths than academia. But with us having to go through how many years we do of school, Um, and get beaten down and told we were wrong and how many mistakes we made. You know, a statistic I heard is that the average dyslexic child gets told they're wrong 20,000 times more than a non-dyslexic child because they're not living up to the standards, which is quite a, quite a powerful thing. Why do you think it took you so long to, um, I guess, get that diagnosis or, or get that information in your hands. I, I don't know if you want to call it a diagnosis or wh- why did it take you so long to get to that point in your life, uh, that March date? Yeah. Well, I think, I think the key is like, I guess I, like I was, I was technically diagnosed at 10, but the, you know, when, when you're told that it's just reading and writing, when you're told that all your life, 
And that's what everyone looks at. They go, hey, it's a, it's a learning disability. It's not a learning disability. You know, that's not, the, that's not what it is. It's, you're, you're learning the wrong way. It's, it's, do you know what I mean? It's, um, and I think that the, the challenge was, is that you, when you're told all your life, it's just reading and writing, it's just reading and writing. Why would you ever go and search for it as a solution? You know, why would you ever even consider it? You know, our brains can only, any, anyone's brains can only hold on to a certain amount of information at one time. So if you believe you know something, you don't search for it, if that makes any sense. So I was just very lucky that someone considered it as an option. And in hindsight, my dad's worked out he was dyslexic because it is hereditary. Um, but that was a, that's another story. But it's, it's like I just would never have considered it. And that's why I've kind of gone down this mission to help people actually open their eyes. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Um, what is one of the greatest struggles you go through as a dyslexic that, that maybe most people wouldn't understand or maybe on some level wouldn't get if you're willing to share that? Yeah, definitely. I, I think, um, and I could do it in a bit of a, a bit of a coaching frame is, you know, one of the things I talk a lot is the, is the roller coaster, the ups and the downs. You know, I'm a great believer. I'm an, one of my other beliefs is that anxiety and depression, again, are leaves. They're not roots. Dyslexia can be a massive root to both anxiety and depression. And naturally, um, dyslexia, dyslexics, we're much more anxious people than depressed people. You know, anxiety is a, is a challenge of the future. Depression is a, ch- a challenge of the past. And naturally, dyslexics don't get stuck up on the past, but we do get very stuck up on the future because we can see so many paths. We can see everything going wrong. We can, we can see it. And I think um, what I've noticed having now coached uh, hundreds, of, hundreds of dyslexics, including myself, the challenge we have is duality. We can have a day, which is the most amazing day of our lives. Everything goes right. We just smash it out of the ballpark, you know, tick, tick, tick. And we feel like we are unbeatable and we're going to change the world. The next day we feel terrible. We just want to go and hide. You know, we can't, we don't think anything's going right. And what what happens is, and this is based on my coaching program is that we don't, we never sit in the middle. If you imagine a bell curve, dyslexics are either on the left or the right. And it can look very hypocritical when we say something and we then do the opposite thing and then do the opposite thing. And we can go back and forth with no rhyme or reason, but we just don't seem to sit in the middle of calm. The minute we get calm, we get bored and scared and it's actually more fearful. So we're always on either edge. You know, I always remember Malcolm Gladwell saying a dyslexic will either be a millionaire or go to jail. You know, we're kind of, we very really, do you know what I mean? It's like we sit on either edge. We're not, we're not, um, we're not really central, simple people. That's kind of, that's what I've learned. And, and I've gone through that as well. I've dealt with that a hundred percent. There are days where I've spoken on stage to a hundred people. And then there are days where I just have no motivation to do anything. And that still happens to this day. I'm thinking of another singer as you're as you're talking. I mean, you do, you know need to turn off iTunes or something like that. But I'm thinking of Billy Joel. He wrote that song like "Why Do I Go to Extremes," right? And he has these like two paradigms, you know, this dualism. Which uh, I have a friend that uh, is a big uh, anti anti dualism kind of guy. So a little shout out to to my friend Sean on that. But um, but I'm thinking about this again. I've always tried to explain dyslexia to people and I, and I really just feel like they don't get it. They, they really don't, you know, and, and trying to explain to somebody like my, my daughter's in middle school. Now she's 13. I remember she came home one day with a, with a spelling test from language arts or whatever, or her spelling words that she had to do. And she's like, dad, do you want to go over these with me? And I immediately start like scanning the list and I'm like, I can't spell half these words that are on this list. Like I'm going to be no good to you here. You know, you want to talk about geography. You want to talk about, you know, giving a speech. You want to talk about something creative, you know, making an iMovie, whatever, whatever. I'm your guy. Spelling, you probably want to go talk to your mom. But but why is it people can't seem to to really walk in our shoes? I mean, to, to kind of go show on you. Like why can't they get in a dyslexic shoes and really understand that in, in your opinion? I think that I think the challenge is, is it's it's very hard for people to step into a in, into a brain or a perspective that they've not had 
you know, we're so um, we're so focused with blinkers. I think every human being, dyslexics, non-dyslexics, we're all very in our own heads. You know, we're the heroes of our story. Um, so, so everything has to come from our lens. And the challenge when everything comes from our lens is that it's a very limited lens. And it probably is the reason most of the world's problems happen is because we can't see other people's perspectives. We can't step back. And it's, you know, I think that is the biggest challenge with this is that people don't understand the, the comorbidity, uh, that's, I'm going to stuff that word up, but the comorbidities, the things that are similar for all dyslexics, they don't understand the common string that holds us all together. They just look at those leaves because that's what has been the most obvious thing, you know? And I think because no one's, not many people are talking about this, not many people have stood up and said, this is the, this is the thing. And, you know, we're, we're seeing this day in, day out, the amount of people joining our tribe, joining our Facebook groups, listening to our stuff and going, how do you know my life so well? Are you, are you watching me from behind my shoulder? You know, you're in my head and it's like, um, you know, no one's talked about it because I just don't, and I wish there was a, an easy answer. I just don't think it's been brought up enough. People have talked about it from this, this level and I think it's a beautiful world that we're coming into that this is starting to be spoken about more. There are people interested. There are people going, Oh my gosh, how do you know me? Um, and it's a beautiful thing. Like it's finally starting to open up. So I'm, I don't know about you, but when I have to write an email, when I have to send a text, when I have to do any kind of letter writing, when I have to do anything that is involving writing of any nature, whether it be a Facebook post, Instagram, a tweet, a whatever, it doesn't matter. Anytime I'm using the keyboard, I immediately have a mild panic attack. Am I alone in that or are you are you in my shoes with that as well? That's a good good question. A lot of people are. A lot of people are. I, I was very I always remember the best thing I ever learned in school was how to touch type. That was the one thing I learned. I they just started teaching computers. And oddly, I picked that up really fast. I had one of those games. The minute you gamify something, I'm interested. I had the Mavis Beacon, you know, back in the day where I was tapping away. And, and I was very lucky that I got really quick that I could actually catch up with my head and keep things going. And um, so I was okay with it. But again, it's not my chosen chosen communication style. And my challenge is, is I'll write too much or I'll, I'll, you know, to get across a short message, I'll write, I'll write this much. It'll be massive. And so like what I've learned is how can I better use the Mac in my head? So I, um, I use a product called loom, which is really cool. And I do video emails so I can, um, within a minute, I can do a video email, put it in the email and someone can watch a video of me talking through something. And people go, wow, you made me a video. And I was like, hey, yeah, it wasn't that hard, but it was much easier for me. So I found a lot of solutions to kind of lower that panic. Uh, in my job, I, I work for a Fortune 500 company here in the States. And a lot of my job is on the phone and on email, right? So I work with some, uh, some of our stores, their dealerships. And in that, I have picked up the phone more often than not than than responded, you know, to the email and they'll say, "Oh, you could have just emailed that to me." I'm like, "Yeah, it's easier if I make a phone call." <laughs> Cuz I don't want that like I'm so nervous about the correspondent like I'm going to spell a word wrong or you know, I I I get the tenses wrong like I wanted to do that instead I might say want to do that, right? So just things like that 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 have my little hiccups and little idiosyncrasies to it, but I was going to ask you this, how good is your memory? Like, I'm not going to put it to the test, but I, but I just was curious, like, could you talk about that? Because for me, um, and again, maybe this is where, where maybe we're going to have a, a little difference here, but my memory and my recall for statistics, especially sports st statistics, mm. tougher to say than it is to actually, like, I can't even spell it. I'm just saying, but whatever. But my recall for visual sports images is off the charts. It's just like my friends tease, like you should be on sports Jeopardy. I'm like, there are people better than me, but how good is your memory? And, and is that a part of the dyslexic uh, thing? And, and speak to that. That's a great question. And, and you're right. It's, we naturally have amazing long-term memories and we don't even know how we remember it, but in the right moment, we're so quick to recall stuff. 
The challenge we sometimes have though is our short-term memory is a bit slower, is a bit less. So we, when our short-term memory is not great, but our long-term, some of the stuff we play, and I was funny, basketball was my thing as a kid. I could remember every player, every name, what their points average was. It was really weird. And I, I always remember we, we took a trip to LA and we were at the Roosevelt Hotel. My parents took me there. And uh, my mom always recalls me standing with the bellhop talking basketball because the Clippers were playing at the time. And, and I was reeling off the players going, oh, he's great, but I think he's, his ankle's out. He's out this week. And I, the memory of some of this stuff, like they said, how does he know all this stuff? Is he from America? And, and, and it was like that recall is very common um, for long-term stuff. But then our short-term memory to remember to do real simple things can be remarkably challenging. And, and you know, I always remember that um, – like I spoke at an event one morning, you know, recently, cause we can get out of it in New Zealand and I didn't have a problem speaking or doing the creative side. That was amazing. That was enjoyable. My stress was making sure I got there on time. I remembered my laptop. I remembered all the small little things, the detail things, you know, and, and that was the stress. But then I go and do the creative thing that everyone else struggles with. And I'm like, this is easy. I don't even have to worry about it. I can, I can talk like this because I'm passionate. You know, it's easy. So it was, it's our challenges are very different. It's really, but the memory one is, is a perfect one to bring up. I, I'm laughing. You can't see me. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> Stephen could see me because we're doing a Zoom, but but the audience can't see me. But I'm laughing right now because for me, like I could tell you probably the starting lineup for the 1989, you know, San Francisco Giants World Series team. I could probably tell you that. Could I tell you right now where my car keys are? <laughs> um, they might be in my car. I'm not really <laughs> sure. <laughs> I know where my cell phone is. You know, I I don't lose that. Well, I do lose that from time to time. Thank you, Apple Watch, for letting me ping it and know exactly where it is. But I have that problem. Is that is that a common thing, too, where you misplace things, where you set things down and you don't know where they are? I'm asking more for my wife because if she was on the call with us, she would probably say, is he just yeah. that forgetful or is there is there a method behind that? It's how your brain works. So don't, you know, don't worry about it. It happens. And it's like, it's, you'll, you'll struggle. And this is the weird thing. We struggle with the smaller things The I always remember I went to the gym and I was like, I was, you know, when you go to the gym, you've got to remember, make sure you put your gym clothes on, make sure you've got your um, water bottle, your towel, all this stuff you've got to bring with you, get in the car, make sure you got, you know, everything is, there's so many little details. And I was, I, I got everything sorted, thought I was, had nailed it. I park up my car, I get out and I was wearing the thing you dislike the most jandals or flip flops or sandals. And I looked at it and I went, oh, darn, I forgot my shoes. And I was like, I've done everything else, but I forgot to put socks and shoes on. Hilarious uh, shoe shoe story. But I was just laughing at myself because I, I understood, I understood how, how it happened. And you know, that's the power I think of as you become more aware of it, you can kind of laugh at yourself and then just carry on instead of not knowing why. When we don't know why, that's where we judge ourselves. It's where we beat ourselves up. And, you know, the more you realize it's just how my brain works, you just get on with life, you know, and, and yeah, it's, it's very common though. Okay, good. I, I thought I was on, on an island like Castaway, you know, Tom Hanks and, and just like on this island hoping to one day get off of it. But uh, I'm, I'm glad that I'm not the only one. Okay. So, Getting into this, like, tell us more about uh, rightsiders.org. What, what's going on there and, and why should people maybe go check that out and, and be a part of that? Yeah, so, we, so we're kind of, we're very early stage of this. Like, like my podcast kind of built up over the years. I've been quite amazed at how much it's been picked up. And myself, Vanessa, the woman I spoke about earlier in the podcast, um, and now Becky, a third, have kind of got together to go, how can we help the world a bit better in this? Because the awareness just isn't there. And it's, um, you've got all these people dealing with stress, anxiety, getting stuck in, in all these challenging times. And we were like, how can we help? So we've kind of put together a bit of a Facebook group and a tribe that kind of is exactly what you mentioned. You don't feel alone from, because I think that's the key with this is that a lot of us are very isolated. We were never told how, what this means. We were just told we were wrong. Um, so we've kind of created this little tribe there that helps people. That's really, really, really affordable um, for people to join. And I also, I also there do a lot of coaching. So I coach around the world. Thank you. Thank you. The power of zoom to be able to uh, support people to 
start to operate their brain better. You know, if you can start to load the right programs in, you can start to finally get the success. If you work out how your visual mind works, how you can reduce anxiety. You can actually start achieving the things that feel impossible. And so my coaching program is called Landing the Plane. And it's how to actually, how to actually fly the jet fighter that you that you're flying and actually land it where you want to land it rather than in a field somewhere in the distance um because so many of us struggle with that we're we're, we're quick at the draw and yeah so it's we do a lot of stuff like that which is powerful that's great um so we can uh we of course will link all of that information in our show notes and i'm happy to hear that the show has been very successful you're at what over like two hundred thousand downloads or something crazy like that yeah, but it's just had 4,000 in the last week. It's really starting to pick up. People are starting to, maybe maybe people have more time, but they're, they're starting to open their eyes and go, wow, this, this is kind of real. This is scary how real it is. That is some great success, by the way, if you're curious from a podcasting standpoint. So last question, and then, uh, of course, I want to play a game because you said yourself you love games, and so we always play a game at the end of our show. So we'll get to that momentarily, but uh, stay tuned for that. Senseless is on its way. So I want to ask you this question as we kind of wrap up, like I said, Stephen, and that's this idea. Do you ever remember that moment where you just felt so helpless and and isolated. And I know you kind of talked about that, but, but what did that really feel like when you were finally just like sitting in it thinking, this is just the worst it's ever been? Do you have one of those moments? Mm, yeah, no, I, I definitely, I think, um, I, I, I like to think everyone does. And I think it's valuable to talk about them. Um, too many people don't. Um, yeah, I've probably had heaps of those over my life. Now, just to pick one, I, I think it's, um, I think it's that feeling that time you shot for the moon and you, you know, shot for the stars. You wanted to, you wanted to go somewhere great and it just fell apart. I always remember one of my businesses where I, where I was in the web design industry early on, didn't really know much, but I had such a passion to help people, but I didn't know what I was doing. And I think when you're young, you're very headstrong, but you don't really, you don't really get a lot of stuff and with dyslexia and communication that adds a whole nother level of, of, of what happens. And I always remember that business falling over or failing. And, um, it felt like I let the world down, felt like I, I felt like I would never recover in that moment that there was no, there was no point. There was not no point anymore of life, but there was like, I felt like the biggest failure ever. And then, um, I was quite lucky, I guess, with the benefit of dyslexia is, after you sleep, you sometimes forget all those problems and you step back up and it's like a new day and you carry on. But it's, you know, in that moment, it felt like, what's the point? You know, what's the point? So I, I get it. Yeah. And I, I just think there's so many times that, you know, people in general fail, but I, I mean, not to make us, and I say us, cause I, I believe I suffer from some form of dyslexia as well. Schools have told me that, not just me telling me that, or, you know, WebMD telling me that. That was a joke, by the way. WebMD <laughs> may not tell you that. But but my point being is this, is that I wonder how many times people have sat in just this isolated state thinking, I'm just stupid. I would even use, and I don't like the word, this is on my word list, right, of words I don't like, the word retarded even. You know, the word... Um, stupid, you know, I, I mean, there's so many words that you could throw in there, you know, almost like this blank line and you can insert in this word, whatever. Do you remember that moment in your life too, where maybe somebody called you a name like that and you just, it just, it may be solidified or it really just hurt you. Do you have that moment? Yeah. Like my, my big moment around that, like it, it's actually, you know, probably, was what based my coaching on was I was sitting in a classroom at school and I always remember it was a maths class. The teacher was slightly balding, dark hair, and he, he put up a problem on the, on the, on the board and he asked who can solve this. And it went quiet and my brain ran off into its little dyslexic mind and gave me the answer. And I always remember not having the confidence to say it out loud. I just didn't trust myself. Uh, and at that moment, he put the answer up because no one got it. 
and he turned around and he, and, I, and I, I let out a little gasp and said, I knew that. And the teacher looked at me and went, no, you didn't. And at that moment, my whole body just went, I guess I didn't. And, you know, I know that that affected me, that, that, that stuck with me. Whenever you can visualize a trauma, it's really stuck with you whenever it comes back visually. And that, that broke me. And, um, yeah, that was a massive one for me. Yeah. I, I have countless ones like that for me. I was kind of the class clown. So, I mean, some may think of that as, as very surprising. Some may just be like amening that who knows? I don't know. So, uh, so we'll play this game senseless and then I want to give you one final thought. Uh, so here's our game senseless. Uh, you of course are not in Oregon, but you might notice this is a North Carolina cup. And so this is a huge Tar Heel fan here. And so we're going to roll on your behalf. So I'm going to roll here. Hopefully you can maybe see that. And I'm going to hold that up to you. You got a three. You can see that visually now. So this is fun. You can now verify we're doing zoom. So you can verify that I'm not cheating. Some people have accused me of cheating (laughs) on this game. Like I'm specifically picking questions. How dare they question my game integrity? Anyway, here we go. You know, we have five senses, right? You're aware of that. Mm-hmm. Good. I just wanted to check. Some people have, have have questioned that, so I just want to make sure. So here's uh here's senseless number three. Is this greatest thing you have ever smelled and why? Oh, greatest thing I've ever smelled. Um, that's a great question. I um, oh, that's a good one. I probably you know the one the one thing that always I guess it's always important to jump to what jumps to your mind first, huh? There's, um, it's actually an aftershave. Have you ever smelled that aftershave where it smells like someone's just gotten out of the shower? You know, that one that's just so amazingly, you know, how did they manage to bottle that and put it into a little spray that you can put on? And it just, it, it smells better than when you get out of the shower. You know, that, that fresh and clean smell, like that, that smell to me. I don't know. It just, um, I've always enjoyed that, that smell, that aftershave. I've never been able to find it though. Cause I keep walking past people and like smelling them. And then I get a bit awkward. Like, I'm not going to ask this guy what he smells like, you know, do you know what I mean? It's like, um, I'm, but I smell it from time to time and I'm like, I love that smell, but I can never find it. So I, I always crack up, but I love that smell. <laughs> so I, I can walk see you walking by. around New Zealand, like smelling dudes now. So I don't know if there's a lady in your life, but and, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I just have very strong nostrils. I feel very powerful. There you uh, go. There, there we go. So, um, so how can people hear more about what's going on with you and the show? And, and then, you know, you have final thoughts. So I'll give you that and then I'll come in and, and kind of wrap us up. So final thought is yours. So my, my final thoughts like, uh, for this is really like, if you do want to get in touch, you do want to listen to more of what I talk about, you can search for The Truth About Dyslexia on Spotify and iTunes. Um, they're really short, sharp podcasts, very specific, um, and hopefully will give you a bit of perspective. Um, if you are looking for more support on how to use your visual mind to actually succeed, feel free to jump onto rightsiders.org. I'm more than happy to do a free coaching experience with people because I think it's important to experience it before you even consider it. Um, but only for people that are serious about change. I think that's so important. I, I can give you the tools and help you use them, but you've got to have the motivation uh, to do it. So I'm, I'd be more than happy to help anyone because my belief is if we can change and help dyslexics take that next step you know, how much more impact can they have in this world to help, especially at these times? Great stuff there. So um, I just want to say thanks for thanks for coming on and joining us. This has been not only an awesome experience for me, because I feel like, again, when we talk to somebody from somewhere else, I always try to try to go there in my mind. You know, I've, I've teased for a long time, like we're flying out to whatever, we're going whatever. We always go first class, by the way. Oh, 100%. You, know, you can't go no coach, other, right? Or economy fly. or whatever. <laughs> Mate, there's no other way to fly. And like, it's, um, you know, it's brilliant. And, you know, hearing hearing the way you speak, you know, it's 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 great to be able to give this content to the world and, and support people. Like people are desperate to hear good stories and, and understand themselves better. So you're doing a great thing. Well, we appreciate that. Thank you so much. So guys, uh, so uh, we just want to close out today's show just with this idea, guys. If you in any way know someone that may be for years struggling with in some form of reading, writing, 
spelling, whatever it may be, memory. You know, we talked about me losing my keys today, whatever it may be. Will you consider reaching out to our guest today and finding not only more about what he's doing, but maybe even share this episode with somebody in your life that obviously could maybe get some benefit from what Stephen talked about today. I hope you're willing to do that and, and able to do that. And guys, I just want to remind you of this as I say so often, remember when you walk in other people's shoes, you really do get a different perspective on life. On behalf of executive producer Garrett and myself, Neil Matthews, thank you so much for joining us and stay tuned till next week when we walk in other people's shoes. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Other People's Shoes. As you know, I'm your host, Neil Matthews. want to thank our guest one more time, Stephen, for giving us some time. He got up early for us to interact with him and to hear more about not only his passion, but how he's helping people with dyslexia kind of overcome these challenges that they've maybe dealt with and lived with most of their life. If you'd like to know more about his movement and what he's a part of and just hear his perspective on this issue, please, of course, visit rightsiders.org and you can learn more about him there. And if you, of course, would love to hear more about his podcast, we, of course, always like to do that and highlight podcasts that are doing amazing things. That podcast is called Truth About Dyslexia. You, of course, can search for that. Speaking of great and amazing things, we do have a treat for you, and I cannot wait to share this next week's guest with you. Here's a little sneak preview of next week's episode. Oh, yeah. I got a lot there. Um, So we get in the car and the sheriff's wife is driving my vehicle. My daughter's in the back seat and the nurse is in the back seat. So we are all flying as fast as we can behind this ambulance with our emergency lights on. And so I'm asking the nurse all kinds of questions. What happened specifically? How long? What were you doing? That is right. We're going to go out to the Commonwealth of Virginia, cross another state off our list. We're going to visit with my very good friend, Adria. Of course, you know Adria. She is the joy lady in essence and who she is. Everything about her screams J-O-Y, joy. So stay tuned till next week because we're really excited to talk not only about her book, The Joy Box Journal, that'll take place on Wednesday. Wednesday being OPS Podcast Day. Write it down, put it in your day planner, put it on the calendar, past, present, and future episodes, of course, at OPSPodcast.com. Each and every Wednesday, they are there waiting for you. Speaking of waiting for you, each and every day on our social medias, that of course being Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or under the name OPS Podcast Show, there daily, we do post some encouraging messages and quotes and would love to hear your input on that. Speaking of hearing input, we, of course, have a text and voicemail-friendly line for you, the listeners, to interact with us there as well. That number, of course, is 203-548-7463, 203-548-7463. If you would love to send us a voicemail, text message, we, of course, would love to interact with you there. And, of course, if you would like to be a future guest on our podcast, we, of course, would love to have you do that there. And of course, last but certainly not least, guys, remember when you walk in other people's shoes, you really do get a different perspective on life. On behalf of executive producer Garrett and myself, Neil Matthews, thank you so much for listening and stay tuned till next week when we walk in other people's shoes.